greatest foe. Well, let us be your guide to what is worthwhile. David and Paul will tell you now what crap you can bear. And if you don't like that, well, you can go to hell. Don't watch that. Hey, hey, hey. Hi everybody! Welcome to Hey Watch This. I'm Paul Goble. I'm. I think I'm David Bax. It's yeah. been a while. It has been a while. At least since we've both done it together. I can. I barely recognize you. You look so different, so worldly. You've been to San Diego and back. Yeah, that's about it. Just just, San Diego. And you're back. a different guy. Yeah. Uh, what have you been doing? What do you What have you been doing? Who you been talking to? And what have you seen in the past two weeks? Besides everything at Comic Con, yeah, I went to Comic Con. You, you can listen to that last week. I talked about it with uh, the wonderful Kate Colson. Very good, by the way. I was uh, I, I listened to it, and it was very informative. Interesting shows that I had not heard about, like Powerless and stuff. Uh-huh. That sounds great. You guys did a great job of expressing what shows look good to you and what shows didn't. And Kate may have convinced me to watch Steven Universe. I've watched yeah. the pilot. I've seen the pilot like most everybody has and went, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. And didn't bother. But apparently it gets... The thing is, I said the same thing about Rick and Morty. Uh-huh. And it has become one of my favorite shows of all time. Okay. So for me to just dismiss Kate as saying, I love it because of whatever is dumb. Because maybe... <laughs> Because maybe, you know, the way that they make shows these days, and especially animated shows, you know, they put in arcs and uh, and character backgrounds and all this shit. So, like you in Adventure Time. Yeah. Same thing. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably try to watch it. So, thanks, Kate. I'll check it out. All right. Um, as far as other stuff, I mean, that's all. Yeah. Comic-Con is definitely the main thing that I did. Yeah. Um, you didn't see any new movies or anything? I've seen a ton of movies. Suicide Squad? But, no, I haven't seen any movies that you would care about. <laughs> Why is that? Because <laughs> I've seen like art, art movies and stuff. They're all subtitled? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I saw the uh, Blair Witch. The uh, That was one of the big... I didn't talk about this on the very much on Haywatch. Yeah, this. you mentioned it. Yeah, but uh, I went to a screening of a movie that I thought was called The Woods from the director of Your Next right. and The Guest. Um, and it turned out to be a secret screening of the... Very secret. We didn't even know it existed. Blair Witch sequel. I thought I heard not sequel remake. Right? No, it's a sequel. But there was a sequel already. Yes, there. Yeah, this is the second sequel. <laughs> but not by the same dudes. Uh, no, because I don't think the same dudes even made the second sequel. No. Uh, okay. Joe 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 Berlinger um, directed the second one. Um, yeah, they wanted to make. The, I remember they wanted to make the third movie because they were working on a TV show. Freaky. No, was it Freaky Links? Yeah, that sounds right. That was the that show. And they said, we want to make the third one. But then the second one was so bad, there was no third one. Um, so this was, yeah, literally nobody knew until they got in there. And, and even went, then, they didn't tell us when the movie, like before the movie. We, they were like, thanks for coming to the screen of the woods. And oh. it was only as the movie started and you start to realize, like, oh, this is a Blair Witch movie. Like, they're talking, like, at first, like, they're... Was very, there a credit sequence that said, Blair Witch 2? No. It, it, no. Uh, there is no, no title on the screen at all, actually. Hmm. So okay. what happened was, so we watched the movie and, like... I, as a guy who loves the first Blue Witch movie, the first, like, on-screen thing, it says, like, Burkittsville, Maryland. And I was like, well, I know that that's what the Blue Witch is. But right. still, at that point in my head, I was like, I guess that's just, like, an homage they're doing. Yeah. You know? So um, how is how is the movie not just an homage anyway? Because it's a direct chronological sequel. Like, the events For of... sure. Of, yeah, the events of Blair Witch huh. from 1999 are a part of the backstory of this movie. They existed and they happened. Okay. Um, it couldn't be just like another thing that happened around the same time, and or, or do they do they? No, they make I mean, it's direct. Yes, they directly they refer to the characters by okay. name. All right. And yes, that's um, crazy. So, what is it that made you want to go to this screening? Uh, Adam Wingard directed your next in the guest. Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah, that was that was why yeah. I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they. They show the whole movie and it's like, oh, it's you know, it slowly dawns on all of us, that, or maybe quickly dawns on all of us that this is a Blair right. Witch movie. And then it wasn't until the end, like after the lights had come up, and then they put like a projection on the screen that said Blair Witch. I want to show you um, <laughs> something 
So we walked into the theater, right? Yeah. There was um, a huge sign in the lobby, like as tall as I am, like a backlit sign stretching the entire length of the lobby that said The Woods, you know, September 16th or whatever. Oh, wow, okay. That, right? Yeah. So that's the movie we're going to see. And then the movie's over, there's a Q&A. come out of the screen. come out, and they change the sign to ah, say Blair Witch. And it's got the uh, X crucifix the, thing. The, the, yeah, the stick figure thing. Yeah. We all got free t-shirts, too. That's pretty um, cool. So, that, yeah, that, as far, movie-wise, that was the biggest thing I've seen, that you, again, that you would care about. Um, See, and that's funny, because obviously they did... I mean, the whole point of that was tell absolutely nobody and make it as secret as possible. Whereas, I saw Hardwick on Conan talking about the Pokemon Go panel... Uh-huh. Everyone was like, I gotta get into the fucking Pokemon Go panel. There's gonna be secret Pokemons there. Yeah. They're gonna tell you where to find them. They're gonna be giving out all kinds of shit. And there was literally nothing. No. Because the guys didn't know it was gonna be big. Exactly, yeah. that They moved that. The Pokemon Go panel was originally on the schedule in like some small room. Yeah. They moved it into Just Hall a H. Room. Uh, into the main And it was hall. still packed. And it was packed. People didn't get in. Uh... And, but yeah, they didn't have any. <laughs> and it was literally an hour talking about the game. Yeah, and questions and answers. <laughs> I would have been so pissed. <laughs> oh my god, because I don't play the game, and not that I'm a hater or anything, but I do play a lot of games. And if I <laughs> fucking waited all that time to get into Hall H, and I didn't even get a goddamn sticker, oh my god, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I mean, I'm the guy who got to the front of the line for Hall H. And then was told, yeah, it's the Expendables 2. I fucking walked away. <laughs> I would rather not get into Hall H ever in my life than sit through the fucking Expendables 2 panel. But these, That's oh man, funny. I would have been so pissed. I'm but trying to think if I had any, if I got any TV related giveaways that I could. You didn't get any cool swag that you wanted to get, give away? Nothing to Tom brought some nice swag. Nothing to, I mean, I bought some TV related stuff, but I didn't. Tom brought an extra. Uh, oh, preview cool. guide, nice, and his room key, which is the Gotham. Oh, I do room have key. a Gotham key and a Flash key because I have Tyler okay. as well. So there you I, go. I, I there's, bring those. there's extra prizes. But no, as far as stuff I bought, I bought the um, the soundtrack to Over the Garden Wall on vinyl. Oh, I heard you it's, talking about that. That's very cool. Uh, so yeah, that was Comic Con. As far as other stuff that I've watched, the only TV thing that I've watched of note is I watched the first episode of Vice Principals. And I haven't stuck with it. Have you watched it at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watch it every week. Is, is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect. The funniest part is Danny McBride and Walton Goggins yelling at each other and yeah. calling each other motherfuckers. <laughs> There's a scene in the in this most recent episode where they, they, they're going to the principal's house. And uh, they pull up in front of a house. And Danny McBride says something like, look at this piece of shit house. Mm-hmm. But it's actually... Goggins' house. <laughs> and he looked at him and goes, This is my house, motherfucker! There's a two-story split colonial! <laughs> and it's so... There's no reason why it's funny other than it just sounds funny. And then you meet his wife and his mother-in-law. And then, spoilers, they burn down the principal's house. Literally, to the ground. Wow. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? It's a crazy fucking show. Alright. Yeah, it didn't hook me enough with the first episode. I enjoyed it, but not enough to keep watching it. Yeah, they, they've already teamed up, and it's pretty fucking funny. It's I think obviously knowing, going somewhere crazy. I think crazy. knowing Bill Murray wasn't going to be back made me not <laughs> watch it anymore. Yeah, but there's other good characters. Like I said, they just introduced Goggins' wife and mother-in-law, and, you know, you think he's gay, but... Right. I don't know, maybe he is, but he's married to this beautiful, uh, uh, I think, I don't know, she's Cambodian or Filipino or something, and her mother lives with them, <laughs> they yell at each other. Um, Alright, well let's talk a little bit about what we missed. First of all, you didn't see Jason Bourne? No, I didn't. Oh. I, 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 yeah, I, I wanted to, I couldn't make the screening. Because I wanted to ask you about the original title for that. Because it wasn't called Jason Bourne originally. Did you see the ads before they changed the title? No. It was this, Matt, just... this summer. Matt Damon is still born. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think that was a good. Uh... <laughs> you like that one? I do like that one. That's crazy. Some of my best jokes are only good for a week. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I want to tell the story because Gary Marshall died, and I also want yeah. to hear if you had any thoughts about it. Uh, just because we talked about uh, we talked about a little bit when Jim and Tom were here about how you know the guy certainly innovative, creative TV, the fucking all the great shows he made, and you know TV was still so 
new in the 70s, you know, and he was creating stuff just for television, you know, and he discovered fucking Henry Winkler and mm-hmm. Robin Williams and all these amazing talents, his own sister made her famous. And then when it got to movies, I, I thought that I, I thought his movie career really is a lot like his TV career. Because he made some great TV shows and he made some shitty TV shows. Uh-huh. The difference is he didn't hear a lot about the shitty ones. Like stuff like Blansky's Beauties and stuff like that. But then some that were just god awful and got cancelled, of course. And his movie career, almost exactly the same. He makes great movies like The Flamingo Kid. One of my favorite movies oh, of all time. Saw oh, it's Matt Damon's first... Not Matt... Not Matt Damon. Matt Dillon. Oh. Matt Dillon's first good movie. Every movie Matt Dillon is in before <laughs> that sucks. Every movie he's in after that is pretty good, if not great. Okay. Um, like One Night at McCool's? <laughs> I like movie. that movie. I never saw it. I like it. Paul Reiser's in it. He's funny. Huh. Um, so that's it's like Flamingo Kid is great. And there's a couple, you know, Pretty Woman is a dumb movie, but it obviously was hugely successful. Made, again, he discovered Julia Roberts, basically, with that movie. Yeah, that's true. Whereas on the other hand, you got... New Year's Day and Valentine's Day and all those pieces of shit yeah. that are really unwatchable. Not that they were failures, but or and didn't he also do the Princess Princess Diaries? Princess yeah. Diaries, which but those are very successful. Yeah, movies. and again, they're not terrible, but I they're not really for adults. So it's it's strange he just moved on. But I want to tell this story about Gary Marshall that I've told before. But this is my greatest memory of him when I met him. It was uh, around Christmas time, and we, me and my family were at the Toluca Lake Open House, uh, which we would like to go to all the time. And um, that year, Santa Claus was at the Falcon Theater. If you wanted to see Santa Claus, you had to go okay. to the Falcon Theater to sit on his lap. So I'm in line with Zoe. Gracie's just a baby at the time, and we're in line. And as we're waiting in line to see Santa Claus, out walks Gary Marshall. And I'm, of course, totally freaked out. I don't know what to say. But I know he's going to walk away any second, and I got to say something. And when my kids were little and were learning to talk, and apparently all parents do this, it's just a matter of what the subject is, you get your kids to say certain phrases. Like, you know, uh, what does a dog say? And the kid goes, rough, rough, rough. All little kids do that. But if you're me, you say things like, what does Chachi say? Uh And she goes, wah, 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 and doesn't understand it. My dad taught me to say, boo, cowboys. There you go. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so how would he get you to say it? I I, I, I was... uh, Oh, you too little? Yeah, I don't really remember. He'd probably go, what do you think of the cowboys, Dave? Boo, cowboys. Yeah. So we're we're there, and, and Gary Marshall's there, and I go, oh, my God, Gary Marshall. And he hears me say that, and he looks, and I go, Zoe, Zoe. Tell Mr. Marshall what Fonzie says. Uh-huh. And she looks up at him and goes, Hey! <laughs> and she's like three. Yeah. And he goes, That's right! Merry Christmas! <laughs> and walks away. It was fucking great. And it was just... And the funny thing is, my wife at the time, and there was nobody around. Literally, the only person who knows that happened are me. Is me. I was going to say me and Gary Marshall, but he's dead now. Yeah. Zoe doesn't remember it. And he's dead, so but it's a great memory I have uh, of Gary Marshall. Do you have any memories of Gary Marshall? Uh, I've never met the man or anything, but I think I'm glad that I was able to realize how great he was before he died. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, you mentioned his movies, me being the kind of movie fan that I am, mm-hmm. I was never a fan of his movies, and so mm-hmm. I mostly, and his TV stuff was done by the time I was right. uh, older. So yeah. I mostly just thought of him as a guy who made uh, romantic comedies that I didn't like and for the longest time. And it was only once I started to get into TV more, into TV history more, yeah. that um, I started to realize his, his influence and his, and his impact. And then uh, I got to see him um, essentially play Les Moonves on Louis. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, which was terrific. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to say. Like, he's not, obviously, he wasn't uh, an actor by trade, and he certainly wasn't a very good actor, but he was interesting to watch. And small roles in movies like Lost in America, he plays the casino yeah. manager, he's hilarious. Uh, Hocus Pocus. Did you ever see that movie, that witch movie with Bette Midler? Uh, I don't know if I did. I might have. The kids used to love it, so I've seen it a million times. But there's a scene where the the witches are out trick-or-treating and they come to this house and Gary Marshall's there giving out candy dressed up like the devil and they think he's the devil. <laughs> and he's like, oh, the Sanderson sisters! Because he thinks they're dressed up like the famous witches right. of the town. He's very funny in that. And uh, there was another piece 
another movie he was in where he had a small part. I can't remember, but the guy is, is great. And then, like I said, his sister uh, also, you know, and all his family, Tony Marshall. You, you want to see good old uh, Laverne stuff, Penny Marshall, watch original Odd Couple episodes with her in it. Okay. She's very funny as Myrna, Oscar's assistant. Um, there's a new show on, Black and White, on A&E. Have you seen this? No. It's pretty good. It's Sherrod Small and Christian Finnegan. Okay. Are the hosts, and it's basically oh, so it's not based on the movie from 1999 with <laughs> no. Robert Downey Jr. and Mike Tyson. No, but they mention it on the show, which is funny oh. because um, uh, obviously the premise is someone watched SNL and saw Colin Jost and Michael Che talking about the news and making a lot of you know racial commentaries. Yeah. And then needling each other about being black and white. Uh-huh. That's exactly what this is. And if you know Sherrod Small and Christian Finnegan, you know, they're New York comics. They were on Best Week Ever back when that was on all the time. They were huge on that show. Um, but they're, they're both very, very funny. So it's just that at first. And then they do skits and they have guests. And they had this, this past week they had David Allen Greer on, who was great. And they did this sketch where he's teaching this new acting thing. David Allen Greer's Massa Class. Uh-huh. <laughs> where he can teach you all the things like how to dab your brow because it's too hot. <laughs> and the best one was, and how to die with your eyes open. <laughs> and he did it. And Brooke's like, I don't even get that. And I go, you know, like, and a black guy's like, I'm going to the promised land. <laughs> and <then he> died. <laughs> but it's really fucking funny. And they have good guests. It reminds me a lot of Kamal Bell's show, but a little lighter because. The guests they get are not huge. Like, their second guest was this girl, Shanaz Treasury, who's a comedian who used to write for Larry Wilmore. And now she, I don't know, she's broke out on her own. But she's very funny. But who's heard of her? You know what I mean? So interesting guests and sketches. And they go out on the street. And if you think those guys are funny, you'll like this show. The best was, they do this bit at the end where they answer questions from the audience about race. <clears throat> Basically, do you have a question you'd like to ask, but you don't want to say it out loud? Write it on this card. One of them was, last night, why do they let black people in movies? <laughs> and he's like, this question comes from Amy W. Where the fuck is Amy W.? <laughs> that was very funny. What and did she, she mean into movie theater? I think that's what she meant, yes. Not like be in movies. No. I Not don't that either that. one of them is okay. To, like... No, that's why it's funny to me. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to assume she was just being overtly racist, because that's the point. But on the first episode... They were asking questions, and Sherrod said, I got a lot of friends and relatives down south, so when I go there, it's strange how they mispronounce my name. Like, my name is Sherrod, but down south, they pronounce it nigger. (laughs) Of course, they bleep that, and everyone goes crazy, and Finnegan goes, sounds the same to me. (laughs) He's like, it's actually maybe a subtle difference, but really. (laughs) And I was like, this fucking show is great. So, it's funny like that. It's weird. It's weirdly edited, and the first, and like... The first couple episodes, they talk about shit that happened weeks ago, so it's okay. clearly not up to date. What? I want to funny. I want to chime in on that the stereotype because I'm guessing that woman's question was based on the stereotype that black mm-hmm. people talk during movies. Right. Here's what I'll say about that stereotype: it really lets old people off the hook because the real culprit <laughs> for talking during movies is old people. Yes. The, there was I saw a movie. Um, with my wife uh, a month or so ago, you wouldn't want to see it because it has subtitles. Okay. But, um, it starts. It's a. It's a like a French, Dutch. I think like co-production. Oh Jesus! And so it starts off in the like logo comes with like Dutch Film Commission, and then behind me turns to <laughs> a friend and goes, "Oh, it's Dutch." Oh, and, Jesus! And then, and then the first title card is like based on a true story, and she was like, "Oh, it's true." Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> really. <laughs> Really? You're going to read every fucking thing. And you knew this movie was subtitled. Yeah. Did you say, oh no, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. She's going to read every word. Oh, fuck yeah. See? No, thank you. What's funny to me, though, is... I, like, you see an old person who talks like that, and you excuse it. You're like, well, they're super old. They're probably deaf. They're talking too loud because they don't hear themselves, or the other person can't hear them. And... You're a young person. You should be okay and cool to old people. I guess. Any, anyone you can beat up, you should let do their thing. Okay. Kids, old people, women, okay. uh, in the case of you and me. Anyone you can beat up, you can you physically be overestimating beat up. my ability to, to <laughs> most, beat up women. Most women. I'll say most women. <laughs> um, but 
like, but with black people, I mean, it's not just a stereotype. It's true in in the in black neighborhoods where there's black theaters and where black people go. It's a cultural thing. It's perfectly fine and accepted to say shit out loud. That's fine. There's nothing okay. wrong with that. If you don't like it, don't go to that fucking theater and don't go see. So uh, you're saying Roscoe. you're saying separate equal. No, <laughs> you want I'm white saying, theaters and black theaters. I'm saying, well, I'm saying just like black. I'm saying this to white people and black people. Black people, if you don't like getting shitty looks when you go to a movie and yell stuff or just talk oh. out loud, don't go to that theater. All right, so know your place, black people. That's a, that's <laughs> a such an asshole. <laughs> You're the worst. You're fucking the worst. But you know what? I'll say this: five years ago, you would have never said something like that to anyone. But what? after working with me for five years, joking about how uh-huh. I'm a racist, that's uh, that's me rubbing off on you. Okay. Saying, jo- making a joke about how funny it is that another person is a filthy racist. Uh-huh. That's not something you would d- have done five years ago. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe he's wearing out. <laughs> now you know how funny it is. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about a little bit, just briefly, uh, this show I'm working on. I told David about it. Uh, it's called I'm Dying Up Here. And I'm working background. But because it, you know, it's a TV show that takes place in this, most of the action takes place in this comedy club, uh, just like on Cheers, they want the same background over and over again. And so for comics, it's like me and maybe four or five other uh, guys and girls who basically hang out in the comedy club. And what I'm hoping is I get a line and stuff. But regardless, it's great money because they're shooting a long time. And I, and it's actually pretty fun. If it was bullshit, I would have quit a long time ago. But uh, but I've worked a few days there, and I get scenes, and I get to work with like Al Madrigal, who I know. Uh-huh. I got to hang out with him, and then and uh, everybody's super nice. Ari Grainer and RG, RJ Seiler and stuff. So this other night, uh, it was last Friday. We were shooting at night because it was in a parking lot. So it was a night shoot. I showed up there at like it. Eight, I think, and we're there till five in the morning. But I'm doing this scene with John Daly, and so uh, this is John John Daly from Kroll Show. Yeah, I know. John okay, not, not John, not John Francis Daly, or not, not John Daly the golfer, and not the mayor or whatever the guy, the Daly Center guy. Yeah, okay, not him. So uh, we're doing a scene, and, we're, and, and the, the scene starts with him kind of shooting the shit with me and this other guy, and then he turns and walks away, and uh, and so of course we have to just stand there and wait for action. And as we're standing there, we're all just, you know, quiet. While John Daly's like, how's it going, guys? We're shooting the shit. And they're like, okay, everybody quiet, focus. And then right before he says action, John Daly goes, so you guys like the monkeys? Because <laughs> 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 it takes place in the early 70s. <laughs> and I started to laugh and, and almost ruined the take. But I was like, man, that's a funny thing to say. <laughs> you guys. And so then the rest of the night, he just kept doing shit like that. Yeah, Mike Nesmith's the greatest. <laughs> but it's, it's really fun. And I don't know if this show... I, I, you know, I haven't even seen a script yet, but it's clear that this is supposed to be like the comedy store. So and what, what, it's called. It's called "I'm Dying Up Here," and I guess it's based on a work of nonfiction by this dude who wrote about you know comedy store and comedy scene in the '70s in LA. So they made it into a show and uh, made it all fiction and fictional characters. But Jim Carrey is producing. Okay. So I'm sure he will be on the show at some point. Uh, Dom Herrera was just on yesterday when we were shooting. Judy Gold was on last Friday, so we're gonna have a ton of comics on. Um, so, uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not supposed to like take pictures or send pictures out or anything. So I haven't, but I will talk about it on the podcast since, uh, nobody who cares would ever listen, but I, I want to show, I do have some pictures. If you want to see a picture of me in my costume, which is fucking awesome. Uh, just send me a note and I will email you a picture, but here it is. I took that on the, in the bathroom on the set. Uh So there's like a fake bathroom in the set. Oh, cool. Yeah, they built an entire interior of a comedy club. Kitchen, bathroom, bar, box office. It's fucking great. Um, all right, let's talk about these TV shows. Now, let yeah. me ask you a question. Let's talk about the Food Network star, which I haven't even watched this whole season. No. I just picked it because there's literally nothing on No, there wasn't a lot. That's why I picked the third episode of Mr. Robot. Here's what I want to know about this show. Now, it seems to me that when this show started, because this is what, 10th, 11th season? Yeah, maybe more, yeah. When this show started, there weren't a lot of cooking shows on TV, and there weren't a lot of looking for the best cook show on TV. Now, I mean, this is 
only one of the many problems I have with the show. But now, compared to like Master Chef, Hell's Kitchen, Top Chef, which is the Project Runway of yeah. cooking shows, this fucking show looks like a piece of shit. But here's the difference: it's so fucking amateurish. And out of ten seasons, one famous winner, and who was that guy? Guy fucking Fieri. <laughs> so if nothing else, this show unleashed Guy Fieri <laughs> on the world. Yeah, but here's... Because I'm not going to defend Food Network so that much. I enjoy watching it from time to time. Um, but here's where it's different from all those other shows that you mentioned. That being a good cook on this show only takes you so far. Yeah. Because it's also a show about being about having personality and being right. good on camera. Right. So it's it's a mix of two things, and you. Oh, and what's, and what's okay. kind of interesting to me is the two judges, Bobby Flay and uh, Giada uh, Dilantis. Yeah. Um, they value those things differently. Like True. Bobby Flay is very much about is this person a good a good chef, a good right. cook, and Giada is very much about how they come across on screen and their personality and presentation. And so when they argue about who should like be eliminated or who should win, yeah. you get that discussion of which thing is more important. Uh, I think yeah. like like with any, I, I've said this for a long time. Any type of reality competition show, um, the for me at least, the success depends on the judges mm-hmm. because they're the real stars. They're the ones who are there season to season. Yeah, um, and I think uh, Giada and Bobby have a really good chemistry and dynamic. See, and that's it. and I disagree with you on that too. And as my second problem with the show is that both of them can go fuck themselves. Bobby Flay is a noted asshole. Anyone who has ever met him has said he's a huge dick. And Giada De Laurentiis doesn't eat the food. They cook the food and someone else eats it and goes, this is good. And she goes, thanks. And they say, it's a fucking fact. Google it. She has admitted in interviews, no, I can't eat the food. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to fit into my costumes. (laughs) And everyone went, okay, I guess that's perfectly fine. Meanwhile, Padma Lakshmi is sexy as fuck. And has eaten every piece of food on this planet. So they can both go F themselves. Here's the other, here's what I'll say about this show. Maybe if I... I'm Googling this. like I know you are, and I'm talking while you're doing it. Uh, if I could see maybe if I watched this show from the beginning and got invested in these personalities. Because that Italian guy, I thought was great. I loved him. I would have watched the show with him. Yeah. And maybe if I was like, you know... Latched on like like you do for Project Runway or any of these other fucking shows. Maybe I would have liked it more, but the problem is I hate the judges, so I could see why that being if you like the judges, you'd want to watch the show. Um, but also, it's just it's just done so cheap, you know. In that last episode, when they're shooting their little TV show, whatever they called it, they're they kept calling it a pilot, but it's, but just it's a- not. It's Maybe it's a sizzle reel or something. Well, no, I mean, they're making essentially a section of They're making one segment. Pilot presentation. That's what it should be. Yeah, that, that is probably yeah, the It's more like that. It's, so they make their presentations, but they're clearly all shot within the same two-block radius well, yeah, downtown that's, L.A. That's okay, though. And they're not all restaurants. It's like, what, what are you... It's like they, we got three blocks down here. There's two restaurants and a pie shop. Who wants what? You know what I mean? And and it's like they have to make up. But oh, we're going in this the, the bakery is Damiano's thing. Like, so he's saying, if I'm going to make a show, it's going to be about bakeries and baked goods. Uh, okay. That's his thing. All right. I'll, I'll say that. But still, it reminded me, honestly, it reminded me less of Top Chef and more of Mystery Diners or whatever the fuck that show was you made me watch. <laughs> Just because it's clearly done on such a low budget, whereas Top Chef... The budget's huge. Yeah. And Project Runway and those shows. And I think that's what any show, any kind of competition reality show, that's the bottom line. Why do you think Amazing Race is still the best competition reality show? Because they spend so much fucking money sending them to these awesome places, having them do great things. That show is fucking expensive. And they do, whatever, 10 versions of it in 10 different countries, you know? Whereas... This they all Hell's Kitchen. I always felt was like that. They live in these fucking dorms, and they you know, and they go out back to smoke and talk to each other. Uh-huh. And I was always like, "Fuck these people! I don't. They live like animals. <laughs> I don't want to hear about them." And of course, the Gordon Ramsay thing gets old. Where I guess he doesn't do that on MasterChef. 
I guess he, he doesn't yell. He doesn't yell at people. Cause what about Master Chef Junior? Does he yell at the kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the difference on Master Chef is, I guess the rule is nobody can be a professional chef. That's the, the okay. gig. It's all amateur chefs. All right. So he doesn't sense. yell at them because they don't know what they're doing. Um. So uh, the Gianna doesn't eat thing is a little bit over exaggerated based on. But yeah, she based she, on your your uh, googling. What yes. did you find? Um. She eats some. But she doesn't... I don't think she swallows everything you see her put in your mouth. If that tiny English lady on the British baking show can eat all that shit they put in front of her... Different people got different uh, metabolisms. Well, then you know what? Get out of the fucking TV business, lady. Or get out of the food business. One or the other. Don't be in the TV food business. Remember when the Food Network... You probably don't remember because you're a kid. But when the Food Network started, it was all fat people making food that was great. There was a show on it called Two Fat Ladies. Uh (laughs) Come on. I don't remember that. You don't? It was one of the greatest shows. They tried to make an American version of it, a sitcom starring Jimmy Pardo. (laughs) Okay. It's a true story. Which one of them was he? No, he (laughs) he was like the foil on the show. The premise was it was two fat black ladies who ran a, who had a cooking show and were wild and crazy. And uh, Jimmy Pardo worked on, like, this exercise show next door. Uh-huh. And he kept coming over to tell them, keep it down or stop stealing our craft service or whatever. And according to Jimmy, the biggest laugh was him walking around in, like, a spent, you know, workout clothes. Right. And a fucking clipboard, which, I mean, that's got to be hilarious. <laughs> but he said he shot the pilot and it never went anywhere. Um, I would love to see it. All right, back to Fit Network Star. I, uh, uh, I think the right person won. Uh, you didn't watch the whole season. I didn't watch the whole season. I watched a lot of the season. Which um, one was it? The lady, Tr- right? Trigay. Yeah, I will say of those three, she deserved to win, yes. Um, well, well, I think actually, see, of the pilots, quote unquote, the presentations, I actually think I liked Gennard's the best. I did too. But of the whole season, all competitions taken into account, I think Trigay was the right person to win. So, and so those people in the back who were commenting, those are ex contestants? Yeah, that, that's everybody else. Okay. Um,. Yeah, and I like that too, having them right there to comment because obviously they worked alongside him. Do they ever do the five minutes, everybody? Do they do that on this show? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if they make the contestants do it though, because you know I hate that. I do too. I like it's okay that. when Tim Gunn does it. Well, Brooke no, no, because no, Project Runway is one of the offenders, so they always. Oh, have really? To have, yeah, it's always one of the contestants who's like, "Guys, we only have half an hour." I, I hate, hate it. Hate I it. Hate it. It's so fake. Um, I'm Master Chef. Uh, apparently. Uh, I guess in this last episode, Brooke was telling me that uh, part of the deal was they not only had to make all their food, but then they had to present it. And they said, you know, you're not done until you put your dish on the podium, which they don't always do. Uh Usually it's like, okay, finish, hands up, and they come over and look at it. But they said, you must put it on the podium because it's about presentation. And this woman finished and went, phew, and just kind of stood there. And they're like, put your thing down. She's like, what do you mean, huh? And she didn't get her shit on time. So they sent her home. Even though they all said, this is the best dish. Yeah, well, of course I said that. Right. That's always, like, unchopped whenever someone was like, oh, I didn't have time to put sauce on the plate. You and know what the judge is going to say. This would be perfect if you just <laughs> your sauce. True. Sauce yeah. all and also, it was obviously, it was a big part of the show. They said, oh, well, if we send her home, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because everybody hates to see someone go home just because they made a mistake. I mean, that's the fucking key of the amazing race, right? Yeah. That's the big key every season when someone fucks up and loses, gets yeah. sent home. Um, but, I, I, I mean, obviously I won't ever watch this show again. And But I would love to hear a story about Bobby Flay being a huge dick. I'm sure he is. I, I want to hear a story about someone who actually met him and what a giant cock he is. Who do you think is a bigger dick, Bobby Flay or Rocco Despirito? I don't know who Rocco Despirito is. You don't know who Rocco Despirito is? He's another... No. Bad boy, hot, hunky chef. Okay. They, he had a reality show called The Restaurant for a while on NBC about a restaurant he opened. All right. I don't know who that is. All right. You want to move on to trivia then? Let's do it. All right. So trivia last week was non-existent. Yeah, I forgot. You guys that, got on a roll? I, I for, no, it's not that I forgot to do it. It's that I forgot that we do trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it was a part of the show. Well, instead of doing trivia, what would you tell people to do? Go fuck themselves? <laughs> <laughs> No. Trivia last week, or rather two weeks ago, what was the question? It was about community. 
because uh, we talked about vice principals. Okay. Oh, you weren't here. That's right. Yeah. We talked about vice principals, and I said Walton Goggins was on a show with somebody who appeared in both, uh, or at least this most recent Star Trek movie and the one before it, because I had also just seen Star Trek Beyond. And uh, the answer was Danny Pudi. Okay. Walton Goggins was on an episode of Community, and Danny Pudi has been in both this most recent Star Trek movie and the one before it. So that was the answer. A lot of people got it right. But Alex Daniel, our friend Dr. Alex Daniel, got it right first. C-3PO. C-3PO. And uh, he <laughs> no, said... What's that guy's name? Anthony Daniel? Anthony, yeah. yeah. He said as a prize, he wanted me to try to get you to say, hey, watch this before the appropriate time. Oh, so, all right. Alex? That's what that was. All right, this is for you, Alex. Go fuck yourself. Well, no, it's not so much that he wanted you to say it. He wanted to hear me have you say right. it over and over again, but I, I, I just was going to do it once. But he also wrote in uh, about, he called our hotline, and he uh, had you a celebrity. hotline? Yeah, we have a hotline. If you have a celebrity beef, or if you have a favorite memory of the show, and you want to call and leave it, the number is 912-334-1275. It's open 24-7. It just picks up automatically. Right. You can leave as long a message as you want, or whatever you want to say. Uh, you don't have to leave your name, whatever. So he called and left a, uh, a memory that I will happily uh, leave or play uh, on our last show. Okay. But he also had a celebrity beef. But here's the thing. Can we pause? I need to use this. <laughs> yeah, we'll right. pause right there. That's all right. Okay, so he uh, he called in and left a, a message about a celebrity beef. Because uh, remember I was asking people yes, to call about celebrity that. beef. So he left one, but because it's about, it's about this uh, kid who's... Was in a movie, but he's not super famous. So instead of playing it, I'm just going to read the Google transcript. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. so you'll get to hear the whole story. All right? Okay. Uh, let me get it all up here on screen. All right. Celebrity Pete. <laughs> I have a celebrity encounter that you are not going to leave. And this isn't really a feast because it involves cheese. But I figured that you will be blown away because this is a huge delivery. This is one of the stars of the Legend of Packer fans. <laughs> All right, so it's not Will Smith, but, and then the other guy, not Matt Damon, but Michael Moncrief, who is the child caddy and Phyllis in a Packer fan. <laughs> and so my story takes place probably, I don't know, 13 years ago or something at this, is like right after the filming of Blessed Sacrament Disc, I grew up not very far from where I grew up in South Georgia. <laughs> And there's not a lot of stories over there. So he was a big deal, and you're still is obviously Michael Moncrief. But so we went to this restaurant, was before families separately, of course. But he ended up sitting in a table right behind us, so he and his family and the service at the restaurant was awful that their grand opening. And they totally weren't prepared, so we waited, and we waited like five minutes for food. <laughs> Later, Toyotas. <coughs> You know, wait, wait, five more minutes, ten minutes later, goodbye if he knows better, go buy an entire hour coast. And so this way to come to me, finally, give my family our booty gifts, <laughs> Moncrief family his food, and I remember hearing behind me back or handsome self biting into one of the cheese sticks, spitting it out and saying, all this cheese is no good. <laughs> I like my Mozilla 6 with string peachy. <laughs> yeah, so I told you you would not believe that story. I haven't really told him to the whole lot of peoples. I'm still kind of waiting for the book deals to come through talk about it. But that should give you a little bit of Act 8. So that's my celebrity cheese. Bye. <laughs> so uh, thank you, uh, Alex Daniel, for leaving us that celebrity cheese story. And uh, that's your prize for trivia. Uh, and again, if you if you have any stories about celebrities or you want to talk about the show or anything, this hotline is for anything. If you want to call and leave it, any message at all, the number is 912-334-1275. All right, what's trivia this week? Okay, so the other show we're going to be talking about this week is Mr. Robot. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this season of Mr. Robot, uh, Sam Esmail is directing... Every episode. For the okay. Entire, which okay. is pretty rare. Uh, it's pretty rare in general, but it's especially rare for a drama. Mm -hmm. But it reminded me of a sitcom. Uh, somewhat recently, a, a sitcom that ended in the last few years. Okay. Uh, that had 
all but 12 of its episodes. Out of 208 episodes total, all but 12 were directed by the same person. Can you name this sitcom that's, that ended its run uh, in the last few years? So a recent sitcom where all but 12 episodes were directed by the same person. Yeah, and it's 208 episodes total, so it ran for... So almost 200 episodes. Um, okay, so it wasn't Cheers or something like that. It's only... 200 episodes. So, I will say... Mm, Nashville. Uh, is the, I, said, I said sitcom. Oh, you did? Oh, I thought There's you There's no way show. Nashville had 200 episodes. Yeah, That's, maybe. So, guess a sitcom. Okay. Sitcom. Um, a sitcom that was on longer than Nashville, but not on as long as Cheers. Yeah. Community. Uh, nope, that's okay. a pretty good guess. But more, this I could see Dan Harmon more uh, wanting that. every one of those. Um, All yeah, right, this is—I should have said—it's not the creator who did the directing, but it is one director. All right, as opposed to that band, One Direction. Yeah. All right, so if you know the answer, write to Paul at thekingoftv.com, and you could take home this awesome Comic Con guide, or uh, David's Gotham ticket, or uh, Tyler's Flash uh, uh, key, t- hotel key. And, of course, uh, thekingoftv.com is my website, which is back up. It's been down for a long time. Oh, thank God. Apparently there was some spam uh, issues. Uh, but it's back up now, so you can go there to listen to this podcast. And I just uploaded another old uh, episode of Interviews with the, with the Opposite Sex. Uh, I, I had an idea, because uh, these, these interviews are already like three years old. I had an idea, like maybe on the 10th anniversary of each interview... I talk to that same woman again, okay. and like I send her the thing, say, hey, listen to this, and we'll talk about it if anything has changed in 10 years. So uh, I'm going to do that, and it'll be, it'll be great, because it'll be after we've already had our first woman president, right? Exactly. And I can say, how do you feel now that sexism is over? Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's going to be the... And then the next gay president, everyone's going to be cool with that. And then, what, the next... I don't know, necrophiliac president? Everyone's going to be like, wait a minute. All right, I'm cool with it. It'll just take a minute. Um, and you can follow me on the Twitter, at Paul Goble Show. Be my friend on the Facebook. Um, and listen, I just made a deal with this guy who's going to give me free kilts. Okay. And I'm going to wear them on stage when I do comedy. Okay. So when I tweet and you know send out pictures of myself in a kilt... Retweet them and like them and stuff. So this guy gets advertising for his free kilts. I really thought this is a joke. <laughs> like stillborn. You did? I was waiting for the pun. Like I was going to say, because I'm Kilty McKilterson. Yeah. But uh, no. But something, something fun. Well, I was at the... I did Mike Schmidt's show the other day, and this guy, one of our fans, Bill, showed up wearing a kilt. And he's a big man, like bigger than me. Not just, like, fat, but he's a large man. More like Mike. He's Mike Mike's size. Mike Schmidt. So, and, and he's also much older. And I was like, are you wearing a kilt? And he goes, yeah, man. It's, like, the only thing that's comfortable. And I was just like, oh, yeah, because these cargo shorts aren't really doing it for me anymore. I need something <laughs> with a little more uh, move. And really, a kilt is just cargo shorts with the crotch cut out, right? Uh, I guess, yeah. So there you go. You cut out the middle, man. Um, all right. Let's talk about... Oh, wait. You're online too, right? Yeah. It's at battleshippretension.com is where you find all my uh, movie reviews and my movie podcasts and all sorts of other fun stuff over there. Uh, and you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at davypretension. Let me ask you a question. When go I, When I put last week's episode together, uh, you sent me the, the raw footage and uh, and I and you said you wanted to end the show with Informer by Snow. Yes. So I used uh, the parody of that that Jim Carrey did on In Living Color. I don't even remember that. It was just an episode of In Living Color. Imposter. It's just like his parody of Vanilla Ice. But why? Why did you ask me to use Informer by Snow? You didn't listen to the episode. I did. Did you guys mention Edward Snowden at some point? No. What if I missed you, it? You completely. missed the part of the episode. I must have because I was talking about the Last Man on Earth panel. Oh, right. Mary Steenburgen yes, wrapped okay. Informer at the panel because they did that at the beginning of season two on the show. Right, right. And it was like, do you still remember the words? And she and she did. Oh, okay. We talked about that. You must have tuned I must, out. I must have tuned out. But I do remember that scene on, on Last Man on Earth. So, very funny. Uh, I wish I could have found them doing it. I bet I could have found a recording of that, of that, even though it wasn't a great recording. That was the song that killed Will Ferrell. 
Well, that's what they were seeing at the time. Right. It was definitely more Kristen Schell's character who killed... Right, by surprising him, giving a heart attack. Yeah. Gordon? Gordon. Uh, all right, so Mr. Robot. Here's my thoughts. I love the first season of Mr. Robot because it was interesting, was very smart, was well acted, and of course it had the whole question, is this guy real? Who is he? What yeah. is going on? That they very wisely revealed to us. So... In the second season, it's an almost completely different show because... Because they succeeded... Two things. Because, yeah, it was revealed who Mr. Robot is and that he's fake. Right. Uh, and that he's imaginary. And they F Society succeeded. Right. So, yeah, They now, didn't bring down the collapse. They didn't, you know, bring down society, but they did erase debt for thousands and thousands yeah. of Americans. Yeah. So that's a big deal. And, and a lot of people lost their job and went to jail over it. So it was like... Hooray, we succeeded and actually did a good thing, but now they're all on the run. Obviously, this, as we saw in this episode, this guy got murdered. But the other thing is, you watched the first season, right? Yeah, and I have not watched any of the second season except for this episode. So, I admit yeah. two. But you only just, missed two episodes. No, I missed four. This is the fifth episode. Oh, was it? Oh, oh fuck. Really? Maybe they showed two episodes Oh, at yeah, because the, yeah, the first two. Okay, there you yeah. go. So this is yeah. probably the fourth week, but it's the fifth it's episode number five. Yeah. So there's a lot of shit that has gone on already. But it's like, okay, first of all, now the show is taken up with him arguing <laughs> with Mr. Robot, not, you know, working together or talking. Now it's every fucking episode is you're not here and him trying to deal with it, which is fine because that's what you would do. But I'm not interested in that anymore. The well, other there wasn't thing, much of that in this episode. No, Christian but Slater was leading up to it. Okay, it very much. Christian Slater so. was not very much. Was not in this episode very much at all. He was in. He was in a number of scenes, but mostly he was either just standing there or saying yeah. one or two things. Well, well leading up only, to he it, he only had yeah. a big thing like at the end. What you missed was Elliot trying to deal with it in different ways. You saw he he lives with his mom now. That's that house. Oh, okay. He moved back in with his mom, who is not even a character. She. He says because she's a taskmaster, she wakes him up at a certain time, feeds him at a certain time, and he needs that. He's not around any computers or cell phones or anything. There's like a, a payphone in the hallway that he uses. And then he was like taking all kinds of different drugs and writing in his journal mm -hmm. while Mr. Robot is yelling in his ear. And at one point in this episode, he takes like, I think it's Adderall, a shitload of Adderall. Okay. So much so that he vomits it up and then picks the pills out of the vomit like addicts do. Um, but the show is now about that. And the other thing it's not about is uh, that other dude who worked at, you know, uh, Evil Core, who clearly had his own agenda. Tyrell. Yeah, Tyrell. And he murdered that woman. And now he's gone. And, and now his wife is a major character. Right. And so she now has the baby. And, she, and there's that whole plot line. She's basically like, he's gone. Give me his money because he's dead. Give me his, uh, what do you call it? Severance okay. money. Okay. Because he's dead now. And then the boss is like, yeah, but he killed my wife. So you better prove to me that he's dead. Otherwise, you're not getting shit. So obviously, that's what's going on. But that, so far, seems to have nothing to do with Elliot and his thing and Craig Robinson and all that shit. And then on top of all that, as we saw in this episode, now fucking Elliot's doing something. It's like, what could be worse than global greed? Uh -huh. Child trafficking. That's probably the one thing worse than global greed. Obviously, he's going to work on the dark net, and he saw all these things that happen on the dark net. So, is Craig Robinson basically, this is his website, the, his is his dark net thing, and that's what he needs uh, Elliot to fix? That's how I got depression at the end. Then. Yeah, okay. And then the other guy couldn't do it because he wasn't smart enough, and then they ended up killing him after repeatedly beating the shit out of him and scalping him. Oh, okay. That's what it seemed like to me. And then they beat the shit out of Elliot. But, yeah. I don't. First of all, the show has always been hard to uh, keep up with because so much shit is kept in secret, and it's uh, you know, and all the voiceovers and just the way the show yeah, you is. Got an unreliable narrator, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then, and then on top of that, I you know, I was saying to Brooke, it's like the show is collapsing under its own weight, and when you have the creator directing every episode, that's exactly what happens. It's the fucking M. Night Shyamalan problem where you want to put everything in your movie huh. or everything in your TV show because it's your idea and you thought of it. And every single word and shot is precious. You know, even Shyamalan said, you gotta be, if you want to be a good director, you have to be ready to cut your favorite scene from your own movie. 
I would never be able to do that, quite frankly. Yeah. If I, would, if I made a movie, I would say edit it without me because I would want to leave in everything. And we've all seen that in, you know, movies where writers and directors are the same guy, you know. We get the fucking, uh, not Borat, but the other one, the Bruno movie is a perfect example of that. Yeah, or Judd Apatow's movies. Or every Judd Apatow movie, yeah. yeah, right? So I think that's what's happening because, I mean, I watched, I've kept up, I've watched every episode this season, and this one has almost like, I'm about to quit watching it. Because I've never cared about his blonde girlfriend character. I've never given a shit it's about not his her. Girlfriend. You know what I mean? She's a girl. She's his friend. All right. Yeah, I guess. You're In right. fact, she even said, "Let's just be friends, right? You're from a friend. Let's be friends." I yeah. hated that whole thing. They're good friends. I don't know. Um, Here, here's what will get me back into the show: is if they bring back Tyrell because he was fascinating to me. His character was fascinating. Okay, um, and that's true. But I feel like. What we haven't addressed from this episode yet is the other storyline, the Grace Gummer, B.D. Wong storyline, right. which I loved, and I liked yeah. that part of the episode better. Absolutely. Um, and went to bed last night very disturbed by that uh, mass, that shooting spree at the end. Yeah. Um, which I, even though I rewound it and watched it three times because... Comes well, out of nowhere. But you're like... I know you're ragging on Sam Esmail here, but that's a fantastically well-directed uh, yeah. scene. It's uh, really cool, yeah. and, and yeah. you're right. And it's, very disturbing. I like the Grace Gummer stuff too. This and may... the B.D. Wong stuff. Is he, well, has he been mm. in the in the season more? Because I know he was in. I think he was in like two episodes last season. Yeah, has he's... he been on the show? Well, he's now? you know when they talk about the Chinese, uh-huh. he's the Chinese. He's the guy, uh, but he the Dark Army. Yeah, yeah, but he's also uh, yeah, high ranking he... whatever corporate right and working. He's a Chinese official, and he's oh, also right. a. I don't know, cross-dresser or transgender or somebody. Yeah. All those clothes were his, clearly. Yeah, we know that. Well, but yeah, the first time we met him in season one, right. he was... Uh, he was wearing women's clothes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but here's the thing about that. As much as I I don't like Grace Gummer, but I do like her in this role, I think she's doing a great job. Actually, I don't know if it's the same Gummer who was on the newsroom. Yes, this is the one. The same one? Okay, so she was... same. It's kind of the same. Maybe he was on The Good Wife. Okay. This is the one from the newsroom and also uh, American Horror Story. Right. Um, yeah, free show. Another show I didn't watch. Yeah, so I liked her on that, and I like her on this because it's a good character. I think it's well written, and she's doing interesting stuff. But honestly, B.D. Wong is fucking boring as batshit. I disagree. Yeah. I, I was fascinated I couldn't about stand him. Plus, he's a fucking blowhard. He's a fucking jagoff. You know... <laughs> You know, me and my Pete's. Yeah, celebrity Pete's. He's one of my celebrity Pete's. He's one of my uh, lesser Pete's. I think he's blocked me um, since. But there's just so much. And the problem is that last scene was great. And it clearly came out of nowhere and was supposed to shock you. But the problem is it was what? The last ten minutes of the show? I was almost asleep. I really was. I I, I was into it. Maybe it was just because I was... Like like Jim Bruce watching the Cabin Fever episode of Lost, just like yeah, what is going on? Because I didn't know, and that did come out of nowhere. That was she was at Evil Corps headquarters, right? Well, no, she was in China. No, 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 no. That, no they were at, that's the um, they were at the embassy. When he said welcome to China, he meant we're at the embassy. No, because earlier in the episode, the her friend uh, said. We get to go to Shanghai. Oh, really? I thought they were just like joking, like we're at the embassy, which is technically Chinese soil. I'm based on what her friend said at the mm-hmm. desk, which she said we get to go to See, Shanghai. I think they were in is? China. Okay. Even this so so fucking confusing. And why were there so many white people then walking all over the place? Like she uh, says to the guy, "You can't be here," and and just everywhere they go, there's all these white people. Maybe they brought them with them. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Maybe I think they're all yeah, they're all FBI maybe. So then explain what happened at the end with that shooting scene. I don't know. <laughs> no, just like describe what happened, oh, like how they, it started and what went on. They get for up people and, they're, who didn't see and they're shooting the shit about the night before and what they had planned for the day and they're getting there they eat, uh, I need some caffeine and some croissants. They're in the lobby of this building and they're Yeah, and you coffees. see all of a sudden you see if you watch it rewind it, you see in the back uh, the door open and a guy in a ski mask and full like tactical gear walk in. And all of a sudden, bullets start flying. Grace Gummer's friend is immediately blown away. Right. She, Grace Gummer, dives behind the whatever that con- counter is where right. the where the uh, croissants and stuff were. Right. Um, grabs one of the security guys, 
gun. She has to she has to crawl out into the open yeah, grabs, and grab it. Grabs one of the dead security guys. And she gun. actually, I think, gets she, shot at when she does that. And well, she shoots a guy. Right. Well, she, there's two shooters. She shoots one of them. He shoots back. She dies. Hides again. Then right. when she looks out, he kills himself. Shoots himself. He did. He takes. He drops his rifle or whatever uh-huh. he's using. Picks up his handgun and shoots himself right in the yeah, head. Yeah, so clearly these are fanatics we're dealing, dealing with. And then okay. the next thing that happens is the other shooter sees her and starts firing at her. And then end of scene. Right. So she's basically pinned down. And it seems like... Because obviously people ran around screaming and yeah. and people got out. But it seems like she's the only living person in there now aside from the people who were shooting. And it also seems there's only one guy left, right? Yeah, I, I think there were only two shooters. In the no, three. Because one got killed and she took his gun, right? No, I think the guy who got killed whose gun she took was not one of the... Shooters oh, was he was one like of the, a security building guard? security oh, okay, or whatever. Okay. I th- that's what I think. Because okay. he wasn't dressed like they were. Okay. Fuck, yeah. It was really confusing. And I mean, I'll give him credit. You're right. It was beautifully shot. And it was fucking jarring. Really? And it was weird. And when the guy shoots himself, it's even weirder. Yeah. And it fucking, we were like, what the fuck? And I think probably, I'd say nine out of ten people had to rewind it. Yeah, Just to go, huh? What, what just happened? But the problem is by that time... I was fucking over it. I, I, I may have to start watching it in shifts because after a half hour of every time I go to a boy, I got a blah, blah, blah. Why is this guy saying this thing to me? Please, Mr. Robey, leave me alone. I've had enough of that fucking voiceover. It was better when him and Christian Slater were yelling at each other and I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. That's the problem. I know everything that's real now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm about to quit. Also, now tell me this. A friend of mine, Gina Polito, who I've had on the show many times, she said she, she posted this thing said she was starting to watch it and she was really turned off by the female characters. Huh? Uh, especially, okay. you may remember in the first season, his neighbor. Yeah. Who was damsel in distress. Um, obviously, you look back on it, that was really her only purpose as a character. Yes. So Elliot could come in and rescue her and send that guy to jail. And, even, and then she gets killed. And then she, she gets... gets Murdered. She yeah. gets fridged in uh, in comic book terms. Fridged. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, when um, was it? The Green Lantern had a girlfriend who pretty much only existed so a villain could kill her and stuff. All superheroes. Yeah. Mary, yeah. Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy's the same way. Yeah. So that's basically she was a female character that only existed to be killed I as gotcha. and have an effect on the main character. That's right. definitely a. An issue. I, I definitely think that's a legitimate issue. Yeah, and then, and then in that discussion, uh, Riley Silverman, transgender woman, said, you know what? And I was actually turned off by the whole transgender thing. And, then, and she also mentioned how not only was it like, not only did it not impress her, but the fact that the creator has talked about it so much. Sam Espinel has kind of said, check me out. I got a transgender character on my show. And it's not that impressive, you know? It's not transparent. You're not making transparent. Yeah. You're making a crazy computer show that only USA could show. You know, no network would ever show this show. I will say this. Everything... I think, should, I think it's better to evaluate art aside from what the creator says mm-hmm. he or she intended. You would think I, that. So I don't... Whatever Sam Esmail says has no effect. I and mean, this is coming from someone who doesn't watch the show anymore. Maybe I'll catch up. But um, I don't think what Sam Esmail says has anything to do... Mm. With how I view, it's sort of like uh, Ridley Scott coming out and saying, "Like, oh yeah, Deckard's a replicant in Blade Runner." It's like, well, no. What if I if I I can decide he's not because okay. you didn't put that in the movie? You don't get to tell me how to watch or how to enjoy or how to interpret the thing. If you needed me to understand something like that, you should have put it in the movie. Um, okay. So that's so I I agree that that seems pretty douchey that Sam Esmail is out there patting himself on the back in every interview right. about his transgender character but I don't think that is going to affect either way my appraisal of the show yeah but if you were a transgender man or woman it would be different right uh I, it would be I mean I would still I don't know that I, I guess I don't know that it would affect I don't know because I'm not yeah but I think I'm not saying Riley Silverman shouldn't have an opinion on what Sam Esmail was saying. I, I get that. Uh, she absolutely uh, should and can, and I would right. too in her in her case. But I'm saying the two things are still separate. Yeah, I, I agree. But I'm saying if it's important to you, you decide not that they're not separate. Like it's it's like somebody watching here. Here's a, let me ask you this: You're watching Transparent, and you think all the shit. 
that all the all the shit the creators talk about about being transgender and family and all that shit. You're like, who cares? I'm just trying to watch a TV show. You can't separate those two things when you're watching a show like Transparent. But I'm not listening to them talk about it while I'm trying to watch the show. When I'm watching the show, I'm just watching the show. And I'm not thinking about what they said yes. outside of the show. But, well, okay, the fact that you can turn your brain off after hearing the things that people say, that doesn't affect you at all? It's called compartmentalizing. All right, what uh, if Sam Esmail made a TV show about uh, an, a film critic who uh, is married to a woman way out of his league, and he wears glasses, uh-huh. and he has a bunch of brothers and sisters, and he doesn't smoke. Wouldn't you think that show was bullshit? No. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? I'm saying he made a show. That's, what you just described has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let's say, who did you say? Sam Esmail? Sam Esmail. Sam Esmail makes a show. Let's say it's about a film critic, right? <laughs> okay. Um, and it's a really good show. Okay. Then, first of all, no show about a film critic would ever be really good. Um, I think you're missing one of the great comedies of the '90s, The Critic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That's one of the greatest shows of my lifetime, probably. Oh, mm-hmm. um, so, let's say <laughs> Sam Asmund made a great show about a semi-professional film critic uh, who also has a regular job and, yes, is married to a woman out of his league. Um, and that show were really good. Uh-huh. But then in interviews, Sam Russell was like, oh, I think if this character is a complete douchebag and I think film criticism is a waste of time yeah. instead of this, all this stuff, that wouldn't stop me from enjoying the show. Really? Even if he said, even if someone said, now I notice that the character on your show doesn't smoke. Most critics I know smoke cigarettes. Is that a that's choice? Not, that, that's not true. Nah, you're critics. not there. And that, that person says, most critics I know smoke cigarettes. Why did you have the character not smoke? And you say, or not you, you're not there. And Sam Esmail says, well, this film critic is a total poser. So even though he wants people to think he's a film critic and respect his opinion, the truth is he's not even man enough to start smoking. <laughs> Are you still going to watch the show after he it says that? Good. Yeah. Wow, okay. But I'm saying sometimes that makes it not good. Sometimes you go, oh, no, I was wrong about this. I don't this. think, I'm a hardliner on this. I don't think anything that exists outside of the show or movie itself can make it good or not good. So the first season of Archer, where they keep talking about how they work for ISIS, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Yes, the, the ISIS didn't even <laughs> exist then. But they do now. What about What's that episode? supposed to reach back through time and... I'm just saying, like, things change and things happen. And if somebody watches the Twin Towers episode of The Simpsons, which apparently you can't do anymore unless you have the DVD, and they go, oh, this episode's not as funny as it used to be. Is the naked gun less funny because O.J. Simpson yes. killed his wife? In fact, it's not funny at all anymore. He has ruined all three of those movies. Wow. Yes. I don't feel that way. I do. I sit there and watch those movies and I go, oh, man... Fuck you, O.J. Simpson. So do you ruin these movies for me. You don't like Braveheart anymore because Mel Gibson's a piece of shit? I didn't like Braveheart in the first place, but it was actually... Uh, it was that fucking Patriot movie he made. where he lo- Where he lionized this fucking guy who was a murderer, went out and hunted Indians for sport. Yeah. He was a fucking clear piece of shit. And it became clear to me at that point, oh, Mel Gibson wants to make movies about people who are pieces of shit uh-huh. and show how great they were. Because I'll tell you this, William Wallace... Was not a nice person. I guarantee you that. Who do you? Th- who would you rather work for, William Wallace or Bobby Flay? <laughs> well, they're two very different jobs. In that case, it's not the boss so much; it's the actual job. Uh-huh. Like if I was working for Bobby Flay, I could be a host, a waiter, a sous chef. I mean, I'm not qualified to do any of these, but I'm saying there's a lot of jobs, jobs, but they're yeah. all restaurateur. If I'm working for William Wallace, uh-huh. I am very likely a soldier who swings a big-ass sword all the time and wears a kilt. That doesn't sound like a fun job to me. As much as I hated working in a restaurant, I'd rather do that, working for Bobby Flay, than have have my job be almost get killed by uh, the English with a sword and then have them rape my wife. I'm, that's not a good job. Yeah, all right. right? All right, you make, you make a good case. Although, I would wear that blue paint on my face if I worked for Bobby Flay. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be okay with that. And every time, every time I clocked out, I'd go, Freedom! <laughs> All right, next week on the show. Wow, what a great ending that was. Um, I want to watch the get down. Slightly less good now because you 
mentioned that. That's what I do. That's my thing. I do something hilarious and then I ruin it by telling everybody how great it was. So I want to watch The Get Down on Netflix, which premieres, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I've never heard of this show until just now. I watched the fucking trailer. It gave me chills. It looks awesome. It's got... It takes place in the 70s, and it's about music and hip-hop in the early days. But what a fucking cast. Did you watch the trailer and see who's I've in this? I've not watched the trailer. I like, know... Now, I won't let this affect my enjoyment of the show either way. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do know it's ridiculously expensive. It's the most expensive show Netflix It's got to be because of the music. Yeah, it must be. Because it's more expensive than, like, Marco Polo or, like, the big, yeah. like... They obviously it's said... Like, it's like Game of Thrones expensive to make yeah. this show, apparently. Well, I mean, it takes place in America... You know, in the 70s, so it's not like it was a huge, you know, they just bought a bunch of Afro wigs and said, right. hey, everybody wear these and we, we'll go to Goodwill and buy a bunch of shirts. So that's fine. But obviously a show about music, they're not going to have, you know, shitty versions like on fucking vinyl and stuff like that. <laughs> I think they, they, they probably said, we don't want to be the next vinyl. Let's pay the money and get the music. Yeah. And a show like this that's about music, that's what you got to do. How, how is that not the first decision you make? Yeah. This show's about rock and roll. Let's play the actual rock and roll songs. But it's got like Joe Morton and Jimmy Smits and all these great actors on it and the adult roles. And the younger roles are played by all new actors. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I'm sure they got all those actors for super cheap right. and spent all the fucking money on music. Uh, so I want to watch that. What do you want to watch? I want to watch the season two finale of Unreal. See if it can, uh, if this show can write itself or if it's too late. So I watched the first season of Unreal and I haven't watched the second because I was going to binge it. But I guess now I have to binge it and watch it for next week. Uh, which will be the first time I've ever done that, I think. Yeah? Every other show we've talked about, I was either watching already or I watched out of order. And in most cases, when it's the British Baking Show or Next Top Chef, yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't matter. But I'm trying to think what. Oh, Nashville is probably the the main one I don't. But I will binge this whole fucking thing this week, which All is right. good because I need stuff to watch. So I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch this. 